Hi, this is Jen Lee, and you are listening to Feeling Circle. So today's Veterans Day, and we are just so thankful for everyone that served for our country. So happy Veterans Day to you all. I'm just really excited for the session today because we are talking about marriage, married life, um, but also specifically to Allie's experience, which is married into medicine, which is interesting because with the pandemic and everything, I feel like it is just an interesting topic to talk about. Um, But also I like talking about it because I'm going through something similarly, but I promise I'll try to make it more productive than a vet session. But anyways, Allie and I, we are colleagues at LinkedIn. Uh, We've known each other for seven years now. Um, and we really just experienced young adult life to getting married. Um, and we really bonded through that experience because we both married doctors. I don't know why that sounds cringy, but yeah. Because <laughs> of our experience, probably. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dive right in. Um, hi, Allie. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. What types of hesitations do you have diving into this topic? I think my initial hesitation was being labeled a doctor's wife. I don't know why that always bugged me for some reason. When someone says doctor wife to me, mm-hmm. the first word that pops into my mind is gold digger. Why? Oh, I can. Okay. I can see that. I, I think for me personally, it also stems from my parents and my culture in general, really valuing becoming a doctor or lawyer. And if you don't become one, at least marry one. Mm, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And like behind that is this idea that if you do marry a doctor or lawyer, your life is supposed to be this perfect, financially well off and (laughs) like dreamy lifestyle. Right. Yeah. I think that actually encapsulates a lot of how I've felt in the past. Um, Mm. Yeah. And I know there's, you know, making jokes about it is funny. And, you know, I try to laugh at myself when these sorts of conversations come up. I think to your point, you know, the being very well off with the finances piece of everything, it just kind of makes me laugh because I don't think how many people, yeah, people, the truth. Exactly. You just don't, you never know. Obviously there's so much that goes into that. Um, yeah, but it's, it's always, it makes me giggle a little bit. (laughs) that's such a nice way to put it you giggle and I like fume with anger (laughs) Um, we balance each other out (laughs) yeah exactly um but before we go into that specific part of the conversation let's talk about just like how you and Jared met how the transition was from dating to marriage because I think that's where a lot of people can relate a lot of our friends our age group A lot of people are choosing to get engaged, get married. um, And it's like this transitionary time in a lot of people's lives. So let's talk about it. Like, how did you and Jared first meet? We met in college at UC Davis. We were just acquaintances. We weren't friends. We uh, saw each other out. And I think our circles were, you know, intermixing at some point or another. Um, He's always a really nice guy. So I always said hi to him when I saw him out. And I think we both realized just with external pressures and 
um, priorities, that it wasn't going to be something where we were ever going to date. There were probably one or two conversations here and there where, you know, we maybe connected on a deeper level, but I, I think we both knew it just wasn't the time or place for it. We both had things we wanted to do with our lives and they were not aligning. <laughs> so that was okay. We always kept it, you know, very cordial. We reconnected after college and he was in med school in Arizona. I was working and living in San Francisco and he would come to San Francisco and visit me for long weekends. And I would go to Arizona every once in a while. And we just kind of realized, you know, this is probably what we're going to end up doing. So I might as well make it a, a permanent thing. So we okay. got together after that. There was a lot of ups and downs in between. <laughs> I'm totally skating over the juicy, juicy details I know. that I know you know. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Okay. We can ski <laughs> over them. But I do just want to ask this one question. So it, it sounded like there was some interest in college, but timing wasn't right. So there was some rekindling after college. Who went after who after college? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jared will laugh at me for telling this story, but he had, I think he must have just gotten his white coat. He was again in medical school. I um, had commented on his picture on Facebook or something. And I I said, oh, so are you going to be my doctor someday? Which is hysterical. Now I, that I think about it what he actually does for a living. So flirty, Allie. I love it. It was incredibly flirty. <laughs> and yeah, so I was the one who initiated the conversation. And that way, from that from that comment, that was you initiating from that yeah. comment. Okay. It was. Okay. Yeah. And, the, and then he saw the signal and just I think, like... I think the signal okay. was very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because I went after Daniel too. Yes. Um, so I love it when I hear other stories of girls just like being like, I know what I want and I'm going to get it. I love that kind of energy. Um, okay. And then, so what did dating life look like when you, so it sounded like he was in med school at that yeah. point and in Arizona. So then it was long distance, long distance. What was really special about the years that we spent on and off was you know, we were just letting ourselves kind of grow up together, but apart. Um, and we were encouraging each other in different ways where, you know, he was immersed in this super hyper intensive program, you know, medical school. I was bouncing around for about a year and a half after college and in a startup life. I worked at Yelp and then I landed at LinkedIn, luckily, and met you. And I think I was really trying to also take my space for that I was developing myself and experiencing things, you know, living in the city and being single and young and um, around a bunch of my friends. He was doing the same thing. I always like to think about it like we were just growing up together, but apart. And when we were able to see each other and spend time with each other, we did. Um, you know, he actually drove 12 hours from Arizona one time to see me for two days. I thought it was the most insane thing ever. Oh. It was also the most like heartfelt thing. I'll never forget things like that where he really sacrificed, you know, sleep or just free time that he had to, to come see me or host me if I was coming to Arizona. How did you know that Jared was the one? That's a question that a lot of people have asked me throughout the last couple of years, just like, how did you know 
that he was the one? When did that happen? It was just how he made me feel in my own. Um, he, he says this a lot where it's that feeling you get when you're completely yourself and you're at ease and just enjoying life. That's how I felt with him. I always felt like we had a great time together. We, you know, did things like from going and hiking in Marin to wine tasting and hanging out in the city or going on walks, you know, down to the marina. And I, I think, you know, while things were never perfect, we really appreciated the time we had together. And I, I truly think like the moment it really clicked for me was that self-realization, like, hey, I like myself in this situation. I like myself around this person. I like what qualities he brings out in me. That was really the defining moment for me. In past relationships, I had thought about like check boxes and like, you know, is this person going to be a good dad? Is this person going to be ambitious or be able to just hang out, you know, on the couch some days? And it never really worked out for me because I think people change and it's really hard to then put them in this box and say, hey, you stay there. Um, you check all of the boxes that I that I need or I want. Jared and I, like we, we grew so much when we were dating and on and off. And I think I consistently liked who I was around him. And um, that was really special to me. And I was like, well, this is this is how I want to feel for the rest of my life. So, yeah, you know, we're completely different people than we were a couple of years ago. And I still like who we are around each other. I love that. And you two are an amazing couple that Daniel and I look up to too. There's just like a strong partnership there and it shows, it shows. I would say the same too, in that it's two completely different people getting together and yes, getting married, but you're still always completely two different people. I think right. sometimes forget that. Um, yes. And expect a lot of molding to happen into this one unit. Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, you want to get to like shared values and uh, things like that. But it's still two different people with two different lived experiences with different opinions. Right. Making that compromise and decisions together. When you say, I liked me. More. I like myself. He brings great qualities out of me that I enjoy. I think that's super important. It's a measurement in terms of if this is a healthy or toxic relationship. And healthy relationships bring goodness yeah. out of you. Um, and so, yeah, I appreciate that. Of course. Um, so now that you've been married for, is it one year? Has it been one year? No, it's only been... It's, um, I think on the 23rd, it'll be seven months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> half a year. Yeah. So you're really just like, this is the first year. It is. <laughs> How has it been? We talk about this every week. I want to say um, we're just enjoying life right now. We're just enjoying each other. The wedding planning process was incredibly stressful on me and you know, to my own detriment, I can be a bit of a perfectionist that caused a lot of anxiety for me. So the, the previous year was hard. We were both working through things during that time. Was it hard? We live in Chicago. Um, 
our whole, you know, life is basically in California and we were going to be married in California. We got married at his parents' house. So there was just a lot of pressure to make a beautiful day for Jared and I and everybody else. Um, I wanted people to enjoy the day and really see the little nuances that were particularly special to Jared and I in the different details throughout the day. Also, you know, the, the meshing of two families, getting our bearings on, you know, where we fit into that. Um, was also pretty stressful. I just deal with anxiety on the daily. So that also, you know, there's a baseline of Allie is an anxious person. That was definitely something I had to keep in mind as I was hard on myself and not very self-compassionate, but yeah. Can I just pause you for a second though? Cause I feel like other things to that provide context was this was during the pandemic, though a lot of people were feeling anxious Anxious is kind of the baseline for most people over the last couple of years, too. So I wouldn't be too hard on yourself on that end. And then, two, you DIY'd an entire freaking wedding. Like you <laughs> DIY'd a wedding at somebody's house. Yeah. Most people yeah. do it at a venue where there is a coordinator that has done this every weekend throughout the year that can tell you what to do for like tables, Mm -hmm. the order of the wedding, the food, catering. You literally had to create everything from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. And I had weirdly an amazing team of family and friends. I mean, Jared's parents helped so much with the overall inspiration. I mean, it's their home. So it was, it was nice to be able to you know, lean on them for inspiration, not just the execution of things, but also, you know, sitting down with his mom and looking at flowers um, and the kind of vibe that we were looking for and something that would look like we were in someone's home. I always said, I wanted, I want something that just looks like a very elaborate dinner party. Um, And his mom found a couple of options that just totally hit the nail on the head with it. And I was so grateful you know, for them and my parents just kind of making sure I had like that safe space when I was planning and whether it was, you know, venting or meeting with vendors or, you know, doing like the actual hard work of like planting flowers and landscaping. So there was so much of, you know, the family that went into making that day what it was. I was always very grateful. And it was freaking (laughs) Beautiful. I agree. <laughs> I had the privilege of going to your wedding in San Luis Obispo, right? Yeah. I just remember driving up to Jared's childhood home and being like, what? This is a home, not a, a private venue. Everything was just so well done. The the white, beautiful tents and flowers, just everything was mm-hmm. so romantic. It was so beautiful. And I can imagine... <laughs> why it was so <laughs> stressful to make that come to life. So yeah, you, you mentioned there were meshing of two families and there was some anxiety of, of where you two fit in. What were some of your initial worries about that? Because I, I think that's top of mind for a lot of people getting married. Oh, yeah. And if it's not top of mind when you're getting married, it's afterwards. That's when it really set in for me. 
family is very important to me and as it is to, you know, a lot of people out there, whether it's, you know, the family that you're born into or the family that you chose. And it's, it's something where I wanted his family to like me. It's really as simple as that. I, I wanted them to like me. I wanted them to embrace me just like I wanted to embrace them. And it's, it was something where, you know, again, I get inside my own head quite a bit. So I, I wanted to make sure that there was a good relationship and a strong relationship there because mm-hmm. those are the people I want around at the end of the day. I really enjoy spending time with family in general, whether mm-hmm. it's his or mine. The meshing of two families doesn't necessarily have to mean my family and his family coming together. It's more Jared and I intermingling in each other's families and and making it so that it's, like I said, a a lasting, strong relationship. I I really like that because there's a long-term goal to that. So it makes you think a little bit more wisely because if you want to continue having a very strong relationship and you know that's your end goal, kind of determines some of the decisions you make earlier on. Let's go into specifically marrying into medicine. It's been hard for myself in the last couple of years with the pandemic. I got Daniel Life Insurance. So COVID hit Asia first. And so we were seeing videos that were being sent to us by family in Korea, um, even before the U.S. knew what was really going on in Asia. So we saw videos of just doctors collapsing in elevators from being so overworked and exhausted. We just saw numbers of doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals dying at levels we've never seen before. And for our family personally, this was Daniel's first year as a doctor. So we were extremely scared and we were having a baby at the same time. So I'm mama bear feeling so protective over my family. Um, So personally, it was just such a hard year for me. But your husband's also in surgery and working in ICUs and things like that. What was what was your experience as you guys were engaged together in Chicago during this time? Yeah, um, it was rough. It was a very scary first couple of months before we really, and by we, I mean, you know, the the government and the CDC and just in general, us uh, as a human race, knowing really what this was and what it was going to become. Um, it was it was scary. Jared, like you said, he works in uh, the surgical ICU a lot. He's down in the emergency department quite a bit. And having him being exposed as much as he was, it was a rough and lonely and just terrifying couple of months before we kind of got a sense of how to protect ourselves. That was a rude awakening for me in terms of what it meant be married to someone in medicine because yeah. there's a juggle almost of I want my husband home mm-hmm. but he's also this public servant yes how does that initially make you feel how do you set boundaries and that yes he's a doctor keeping people alive and yes mm-hmm. that's important but also your family is important Jared is incredible at putting me at the top of his priority list when it's necessary. That doesn't necessarily mean he can drop everything and come to my rescue when I need it. 
But when time allows, he definitely comes home and there's a flip that switches in him. He talks about it a lot with our friends and, you know, we live without traffic, probably 15 minutes away from the hospital. And there's this slow transition from the area that his hospital's in into our neighborhood. And then walking through the doors, he he always says, you know, it's just like leaving space and coming back to earth almost. And I always have been so grateful for him to consistently just come home and, and be who he is, you know, and be an incredible husband or partner and um, a great dog dad and someone who will play with our dog and and help cook me dinner and try new things. I say it in my vows. He even comes home and we'll have dance parties sometimes. We just have to work it out. I'm really grateful for him for that. But when it comes down to it, it's because I communicated my needs to him. And communication has always been very important in our relationship all the way from, you know, when we were kind of on and off and living in different states to settling in on the idea of moving somewhere together for his residency to just kind of the day-to-day that we live in now. There's times where we're not perfect at it and maybe over-communication where it, you know, sounds like the person's kind of nagging at you or, you know, under-communicating where we can get frustrated with each other. So we're not perfect at that. At the end of the day, that's probably one of the most important things for us Mm -hmm. so that I know most of the time what his needs are as a separate person and then he vice versa knows mine do you think that being long distance earlier in your relationship do you think that helped you yeah we really grew to be separate people but then also good together I'm someone who naturally likes to be around others especially when it's my my friends or my family or Jared so it was it's a constant struggle for me to really embrace the time I have alone. I kid you not, like in the last couple of weeks, starting to like make actual friends here that aren't from his residency or aren't from LinkedIn. And it's been a really eye-opening experience for me. But also I go back to where I was even before that a month ago and just being alone as much as I am. I I have to really think like, okay, I'm going to look at this as much as I can as a blessing, something that's going to make me the independent person that I want to be. I try as as hard as I can to not rely on others for my own happiness and for the strength. That's not, not to say that you can't rely on the people that you're closest to. I think that's also very important, but I think the independence has taught me a lot over the last couple of years, especially since moving to Chicago and kind of starting from scratch. Yeah. And you moved literally as the pandemic hit. So it was probably even more difficult to make friendships. Definitely. I'm so happy that you're making friends now. You you said it was eye-opening. What do you mean by that? I think it just kind of brought back some of my old self, the carefree, goofy alley. It brought her back a little bit because the pandemic probably for a lot of people, but for myself, what it really did was harden me a little bit. Um, I, I definitely got very serious and a little too much in my own head. And I, I wasn't like compassionate for myself. I, I wasn't spending the time on myself as much as I used to. And 
Yeah, I know there's times that it kind of ebbs and flows with self-care, but I I want to be the best person I can for the people in my life, whether that's my clients at work or my teammates or people like my friends and family or Jared. And I'm never going to be that best person if I'm not taking care of myself. So I think the eye-opening just was nice because it was like this breath of fresh air, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, that's the alley I know. The alley I know gets down. <laughs> I really love that. And I'm so happy for you, Allie, because, Thank you. yeah, it's, I think, especially being married into medicine, there has to be more of a proactive effort, especially if you move to a brand new city across the country from your family mm-hmm. to support your husband. How did it feel to move across the country for Jared's residency program? It was exciting. Um, I think the more, the the emotions that I really had to work through were resentment, worry, frustration. I didn't want to set a precedent that his career was more important than mine. But I think being able to come to the conclusion that I landed in a place like Chicago. I didn't have to give up my work. In fact, I I moved to an office that had a really small presence for the department that I was in and it was rapidly growing and I got to be a part of that was really special. How would you describe your way of framing it positive, but also in a way that it doesn't depress and invalidate how you're feeling. It's really kind of just embracing the negative emotions and just being able to feel them. And I was lucky, Jared, he was very, very aware, you know, through just his own self-awareness and through talking with his close friends and family, and even talking with some of my family, he really understood that this was a very big ask. And it was something of a sacrifice for me as the dust settled and all of the excitement settled down and and really understanding wow I am alone here <clears throat> excuse me um it was terrifying because I don't like being alone I like being around my people and I was so spoiled in San Francisco. I was around my family and my friends. I'm still here feeling resentful. <laughs> so my reaction is like Oh, that's normal. <laughs> you know, it, it is for some people, though. It's a, it's a conscious decision to put yourself in a position where you can have that. Um, and that's, that's not to discredit, you know, the work people put in and the struggles that they go through in order to, you know, I mean, I'll use San Francisco as a great example to be in a place like San Francisco where there's, um, you know, a lot of like booming industry still, and it's incredibly expensive to to live and survive there and um, build even a future there sometimes. So I, I don't want to discredit that, but I, I felt incredibly spoiled, very, very lucky to be there um, when I was. But yeah, I mean, I, I would totally be lying if I said, you know, if there was a universe out there that could have landed him and I in that same space, like, of course I would have taken that. Um, I, I think a lot of things would have been easier. We don't have a choice. I'm in Milwaukee, yeah. okay? So yes, <laughs> I agree. 
<laughs> Literally didn't know a single human in Milwaukee yeah. before we moved here. Right. Yeah. How else did you address those emotions of like resentment, things like that? Oh, I vented like it was no one's business. Being able to like just share the experience with people, even if they weren't, you know, folks like yourself and I who were going through that, being able to just like let it out, cry it out, yell it out, whatever it was, that definitely helped because I mean, gosh, I started going to therapy pretty regularly when you're because that was really going to be the only outlet that I had at that time that was going to be something where I learned, you know, how to reframe or learn how to experience the emotions and then, you know, learn from them even, even if I wasn't able to reframe them in some somewhat of a positive light. I wanted to be able to feel the emotions I was feeling because I am a very emotional person, um, but also not feel bad for doing it. I think there there's so much of guilt um, because, you know, we're married to people who do great things for so many people. There's guilt that comes with a lot of the negative emotions that you feel because, oh, am I a terrible person then for being frustrated that... For the last month, I've seen this person every other day for a couple of, you know, hours that they're awake, you know? So I think the therapy really narrowed in on a lot of the anger and frustration and resentment I was feeling. Helped me rework some of the things into positive outcomes that I could work on. But also just gave me tools, like, to deal with it and to... Yeah experience it in a way that was healthy and not something yeah. that I was projecting onto Jared or projecting onto like the other people in my life even. Um, That's an important thing to know in that when you work through your emotions instead of suppressing it, what happens is the silver linings come naturally. Personally, I don't know why, but I think it's just like an immediate reaction to things to quickly find the silver linings. But I realize that was me in the act of suppressing my emotions. There's an order to it. I think when you really thoroughly go through all of your emotions and validate them, I've often, I, I haven't actually shared this much to people, but during the hardest times, because um, last year was like a super hard time when I just moved to Milwaukee away from yes. uh, family and friends, I would often just hug myself. I know that sounds so weird, but no. I literally just grab my one arm mm -hmm. and I would pat myself and tell myself it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I did something similar, but it was with a dog. So I, mean, it's, <laughs> I would just hug the, the heck out of my dog. Being able to cope is something that, you know, you learn, like you said, kind of throughout your life and through experiencing emotion. Um, particularly negative emotion. I'm always working on myself. So I, I try to give myself that grace. Um, but I don't know why I'm getting emotional right now. <laughs> I think it's because if only you saw me, you know, the other however many hours I was alone, I was a mess. I'm sitting there crying and hugging my golden retriever because I'm just <laughs> sad and scared and 
you know, frustrated with whatever was coming at me that day. And it's, it's something where I think there, I have just been trying to really own my emotions and like own the feelings that come along with, you know, different situations, whether they're good or bad. Um, and just be okay with that because it's, that's a part of being human. It's emotional and it's hard for us to talk about this because of the last couple of years. And we went through this like very weird and unique situation. And so did our partners. So did a lot of partners out there. There's not a lot of jobs out there where you kiss your significant other goodbye in the morning and not know if they're going to come home safe that night. There are, but there's not, not a ton, right? And that was a very unique situation where it was happening everywhere. It wasn't, yeah. you know, an isolated town or, um, you know, a part of the world. It was where nowadays I, I think it's a little bit more like normal, maybe, or there's it's accepting. my norm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I will say going back to California and visiting our, our family and friends for the first couple of times and, you know, them just asking curiously, you know, about Jared's work in the hospital and, and then hearing all of the stories Jared has, um, it's, I kind of saw it on their faces. Like, that's not normal. That's not something that, you know, happens everywhere. It's not normal that, you know, you hear, um, you know, fireworks and like can kind of distinctively know that's a firework, not gunshots sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that there's a lot that goes into that. And I, I'm not educated enough to know, you know, the ins and outs of why it is the way it is. I, I just know it from the perspective of, perspective of, you know, my husband goes to work every day and, and operates on, on folks who are kind of victims of that, that environment. Yeah. 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 Ugh, it's, it's a lot. Um, and while Jared's role is so, so important in what he does for the community. So is what you do and your role in the community and just like your life. And I feel like a common theme that we see uh, just by being part of, there's actually a Facebook group that Allie mm -hmm. and I are both part of called Lives of Doctor Wives. And the reason that this Facebook group is so strong in community is because mm -hmm. there's themes in all of our lives that we can understand, which is the uncertainty of the career, the career path of medicine, because you get into med medical school, but there is it certainty that you'll get into the residency program and get matched. There's also uncertainty of where you'll live once you get matched to residency. So there's this theme of moving away from all your family and friends. And then there's this theme of feeling overshadowed by someone's career. There's just like a lot of different themes you and I relate so many times when it's like we already have to give so much to medicine in a sense by like sharing our husbands <laughs> and like moving across the country with their family so that they can work those long hours that they need to because their schedules are very inflexible mm -hmm. but then at the same time it's like a cherry on top when you go into these social settings and it feels like we don't matter. Okay, I could be totally projecting here. I could totally be projecting. But do you have those moments? Almost every time Jared and I are out together, 
with anybody. Yes, to answer your question, I definitely have those moments and it's hard. This is me kind of working through it out loud is I don't feel what I have to say is as exciting or as thrilling of a story a lot of times. I also get really hard on myself because afterwards I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have talked about all these other things that I'm doing that's really fun and cool and, you know, other people can relate to and then, you know, hence have a conversation about. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but at one point there was a time where you internalized that message so much of his job is so interesting. Every conversation we have outside of our home tends to go around Jared and what he does that I'm just an uninteresting person. There was time when you described yourself as uninteresting and I was taken aback. I was so shocked because you are far from that. You're just so fun to be around. You are very interesting and there's so much that you have to offer. But I think at one point you internalized that. I internalized that for a long time, longer than I want to admit. I appreciate you bringing it up because I get so embarrassed even thinking about it that I did that to myself. It's it's probably like the first time I've actually, you know, into that fully. I called myself an uninteresting person on multiple occasions. It was just like this, such a sad moment for me because... I've never thought of myself that way. I, if there's one like word to describe me that I would think would describe me is goofy. I'm the goofiest person ever. I like to make people laugh. And that could be from like putting, you know, a piece of like spinach on my teeth and talking to someone (laughs) all the way to like making a silly joke. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is why you and Daniel get along so (laughs) well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it was just a sad moment. I was like, this is not me, but yeah. it took so long for me to really believe that. It took a lot of conversations with people who know me very well. It took a lot of conversations with my therapist. Um, I mean, gosh, it was the topic of my conversation in therapy every week for like five months. It took a long, a long time for me to kind of snap out of it and realize, no, you're just you're being incredibly hard on yourself. And that's not true. That's um, not true. It's not it's true. Far from the truth. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. And, and I've, th- yeah, go for it. The only thing I'll add to it is I think at that point, and I don't want to blame it on others. I, I don't want to blame it on Jared. I don't want to blame it on, you know, the people that we were around and talking to. Um, I really, I truly believe It was just a time in my life where I found it really difficult to connect to people like anybody, Um, even Jared sometimes. And I really had to work through owning that and telling myself day after day, this is not true. You are a super fun, engaging person. You like to hear about other people's experiences. You're curious. Yeah. You read a lot. There's so much that I read that I just want to share with people and like hear what they think about it. There's just so much great things that I, I know about myself. I just had to like kind of snap out of that sad moment in life and realize, wow, I'm not being very kind to myself. <laughs> this is not, this is not me. It took a lot of conversation with Jared too. 
um, to kind of just be like that partner that kind of redirected things when the entire dinner party was talking about nothing but the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's such a good point because there is allyship that plays mm-hmm. a role. Because if your environment is always focused on one person and you're early into just getting married and still trying to figure out what you look like in this marriage, mm-hmm. it's so easy to lean into what the environment takes you. As much as we say it's all about internal validation and that's all that matters, it's about just mm-hmm. you loving yourself. Yeah. That's definitely important, mm-hmm. but it's a balance of both. I, um, I totally agree with that. Jared is so into communication. He is. that. Yeah. Um, so like being able to just not be afraid to tell Jared something like that was like a blessing for me in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. He gives me a little nudge or, you know, he brings the conversation naturally. He's pretty good at it, but he brings the conversation in a different direction. And I, I really do appreciate that. I, I love hearing about my husband's work. I love how, you know, dedicated he is and passionate about it. Do I want that to be the topic of every single conversation we have with people? Absolutely not. No. And I don't feel bad for saying that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yes. Because we're only human. And I will share like some of my deepest insecurities when it came to marrying Daniel. So for Mm -hmm. me, my resentment really showed up when it came to our financial situation. Because I think I mentioned in our culture, there's almost something very gold digging about marrying a doctor because that's like that's an achievement in in our culture but that's not why I married Daniel so when people project that or assume that one that just created a lot of resentment just Mm -hmm. me myself alone and then on top of that this assumption that he is going to provide this amazing, comfortable life that I'll never have to worry. Or I don't know, just like in conversations, I would have friends that are like, you're good. You married a doctor. I muted my own desires of even exploring what other jobs could look like because I knew that I had to support Daniel through medical school. We got married so young. Mm -hmm. We were engaged when I was 23, Mm -hmm. got married at 24. So I was just thinking about supporting him through medical school as much as I can and then supporting our family and all of that. I've addressed it a lot, though. Going back to your first question about hesitations and labels and preconceived notions of what this life looks like, there's so much false narrative that Mm -hmm. is aligned with this type of lifestyle and just having your partner be in medicine there's so much just things that just aren't true you know I really like that word false narratives that's exactly what it is yeah Yeah. I don't know if I'm just validating it because I saw you go through this and I I saw you and Daniel go through those early stages but you were just acting as his ally and it was in a way that was needed I've told you this for so many different reasons, but like, I'm going to say it again. You are allowed to feel what you're feeling um, when you're feeling it. 
and you, you felt those emotions and you vented and you learned, you know, how you were going to work through it and how you were sometimes going to reframe it and sometimes just going to bask in feeling mm-hmm. those emotions, those negative emotions. And yeah. you and Daniel, I mean, you both have always been someone that I like individually and together people that I look up to and get so much of it, my advice from and the way I speak to other people. I, I do that because I learned from you too, how I speak to my husband and communicate with him. Um, the good times <laughs> I learned from you too. So it, it really, I, I just want to say, I think when people tell us and when I, when I mean people, I mean, people who are older, um, have gone through more of these types of situations when they say those hard times, like really bring you closer, um, or they can pull you apart. It, I think it really goes back to just something that you inherently like gravitate towards, which is just like working, working hard. I just validate everything you just said. You really like have shown like a really gold standard for being like that ally for Daniel and for your your family. So I appreciate that, Ali. That means a lot. It it really, really means a lot. I just want to say also to you, you're doing an amazing job. When I first saw you move move to Chicago, I saw how you handled it. And I really tried to embody your energy and your spirit and I really do appreciate the way you frame. I see you do it in action and I take away how I can do that. Because really, like this last year living in Milwaukee, it has been hard. My sister, Diane, she calls it, it's it's been your season of solitude. It really has been. And there's a lot of healing that comes with that. I don't know why, but there's a sense of healing that comes with just being by myself alone and really just focusing on the inner thoughts. Everything happens for a reason. It really does. I love that. The season of solitude. Cause that's really what it's been. I mean, yeah, we, there's been so many other things that have happened to us, but I think something you and I have always had in common, especially since you moved to Milwaukee is being alone, but together almost. Mm-hmm. It is an, it's a very unique time in our lives. And I'm sure like we'll look back and sometimes miss these times, you know, just like any other great time or difficult time that turned into something great. But yeah. Great. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, you know, you and I have talked about it. It's, I don't want to always sugarcoat things. I don't always want to find the silver lining right away. And I think something that really pushed me to do this podcast was to air it out and then show people that it's going to be okay. And that, yeah, our lives look so different, like from wife to wife or husband to husband or partner to partner. Um, but we, we go through a lot of similar and, and emotions and it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Yes, it will be okay. So what, what principles or values do you lean into with your, with your relationship that makes up the foundation that you and Jared have? 
I read this out loud to him. I actually wrote this answer down. Um, and I read it out loud to him and he just looked at me like I was the weirdest bird in the world. <laughs> but I'm going to say it, Jared. <laughs> Being so close to death, it really makes you think about what really matters. It sounds super morbid, but when times are tough or, you know, we're in a argument or I was frustrated with something he did or something he said, I tend to like always come back even in that moment. And I'm a pretty passionate person. And that's just a nice way of saying I can get very riled up <laughs> when I'm angry. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's really special. I think for me, at least to be able to just come back to you love this person so much. I truly love everything that makes Jared who he is. Mm -hmm. And once I'm able to really embrace that, I think I'm able to use the tools that I learned from friends like you or the tools that I learned through therapy or through experience. And I'm able to pave the way in that situation to something of a compromise or a better place. Jared's mm -hmm. always said something to the effect of we're on the same team and we need to fight like we're on the same team. We need to celebrate like we're on the same team. That rings true so much when, when things are hard, um, because it's, it's easy to enjoy good things when things are going right with your relationship, with work, with how you feel and uh, look at yourselves. It's, it's easy to bask in those moments. Yeah. There's not, there's very few times in my life and in a lot of my mentors' lives, just what they've shared with me, that all three of those things are going 100% right. Mm -hmm. That's not to be a pessimist. I just think it's, it's about the reality and the teamwork that goes into like being a pair. I took that advice very early on. You shared with me that Jared um, talks about like you two being on the same team and just making mm -hmm. sure when problems arise that you remember that you're on the same team, just trying to overcome that problem together. And since you told me that years, years ago, I've really taken that in and think about that when things are tough too. Um, Jared is such a wise person. <laughs> I yes. love, I love the nuggets of wisdom that he will just drop here and there. And I'm like, yes, give me yeah. more. <laughs> no, we feel the same way about you and Daniel. So <laughs> um, so what has marriage taught you about yourself and about your relationship? When we were first starting out and kind of trying to navigate what this was, being able to be two different people, but just totally complement each other, um, that takes a lot of work. It takes so much work and so much effort and a lot of reflection and um, and just communication. Just knowing that for me, I'm always a work in progress. I, I, I think I just need to come back to that a lot of times because I've never been someone who falls into habits or routines rather very easily. I'm 30, almost 31 years old, and I'm just finding a routine the, fir the first time ever that really fits and makes me feel ready for the day or fulfilled or, or at peace. Um, 
And I think Jared just being that ally and being that person that kind of cheers me on from the sidelines has been really helpful. And sometimes he falls into that role very naturally. Sometimes, you know, I have to say, I really need you to do X, or I really would like it if, you know, I I just need a moment. I need um, a day of just us being apart. You know what I mean? But I really do think just acknowledging that things are, things are going to happen. Our situation will change, you know, whether that's when we move again in a couple of years for fellowship or, you know, we have children or inevitably when death crosses our paths that we're going, we're moving kind of parallel to each other. And yeah, sometimes like people do this zigzag away from each other. But I think for Jared and I, just knowing that we're never going to, going to be perfect and that we always are going to have to work at things, um, it actually takes a little of the pressure off of those times where I'm feeling like I'm not an interesting person or Jared is feeling just totally run down because he is on call every other day. That understanding that we're always going to be a work in progress, like it takes so much pressure off of us to know we're not perfect. And to be able to say that and really believe it, it's it's been like just a huge weight off of my shoulders, um, especially since being married and engaged and living with him. Yeah. Yeah, embracing your own narrative, mm-hmm. imperfectionism, and communication. The only way you can be in the same team with someone is if you communicate, right? You have to communicate what the goals are, what roles each will play to get to the goal. Yeah. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, well, thank you so much for going through these questions with me. I know these are these are really deep questions and I'm sure like it took a lot of reflection and you'll continue to reflect a lot because you're only six months going on seven in your marriage so it'll be interesting for you to years later look back at this interview and just see where you were at at this time how you're honoring yourself and your Mm -hmm. relationship at this point and like be the growth yeah it's I appreciate that it's something where I've never been someone to really I, I don't easily open up about negativity or like negative emotions that I feel. Um, and yes, it, it definitely proved challenging to be okay with feeling those emotions again and kind of reliving that through this conversation. It's hard. And I'm always working on that. I'm always working on being able to kind of like peel back my layers and like really get to the the root of what is bothering me or what's making me feel sad or what's frustrating me. Um, so yeah, no, I appreciate you giving me the time to, to kind of work through that and hopefully help people who are in our situation, you know, remind them that it'll be okay. Okay. Well, rapid fire question really quick before I let you go. Mm-hmm. What is the message or theme that keeps showing up in your life? Relationships are important. I, I, there's so much value to me, um, when it comes to my relationships and that's romantic, that's family relationships, it's relationships with friends, 
um, because it's something that I always have to work at. It's something that you have to put a lot of time and energy, but I think relationships being important is something that always surfaces for me, whether it's good times or bad. What is something new you learned about yourself in the last year? I almost call them micro routines because they're very small pockets of time in my life, but I totally bask in them. Um, I just recently started walking every morning with my dog and meeting up with people in my neighborhood. Then we come home, I feed him, I make my matcha, I eat a little something. We take it on the back patio, the dog sleeps. I, you know, start getting ready for the rest of my day and come to, you know, my desk for work. The joy it has brought me and the self like validation it brings to me. It, it's just so nice. It's something that I do only for me. My only motivation is to do it for myself. I can't really pinpoint in the past a time that or a situation or something I've done like that frequently for myself. And so being able to do something for myself that really like fills me, fills my cup um, yes. has been very nice. Yeah. Love that. What is a source of encouragement for you when things are rough? The people around me. Gosh, the the amount of rough times <laughs> in the last, you know, seven years has been like crazy. And it's different temperatures of roughness. But I think the people around me are always a source of encouragement because I, I surround myself with some pretty amazing people. I mean, my significant other's family, oh my gosh, they are the most inspiring, funny, down-to-earth, intellectual people. My, my sisters, I talk to all of my sisters every week. I talk to one of my sisters every morning for 20 minutes before she starts her day. Um, she's a teacher, so she gets to work a little earlier. You're the best big sister. Thank you. I try to be. They, I don't know if they'd always say that, but hopefully sometimes they do. <laughs> <laughs> I truly think people around me and my friends and my family um, and my coworkers, they are the people that bring encouragement to me when I'm down in the dumps and could be as simple as, you know, I, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed or I started feeling anxious right away. Even just like seeing other people interact and I'm a total third party, it brings joy to me. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for being on this podcast. Also for being a great friend of mine. Thank you so much. This was liberating and fun and yeah, a lot of our little conversations melted together. I'm, I'm excited to see how this turns out. I love it. All right. Well, have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye.